0: Gamecock Nation, welcome to the Cocky on Saturday podcast. I'm your host, James Beal, class of 2018, former student manager, and there's nothing I love more than talking some Gamecock football. Let's go. Happy Friday and welcome back for another episode of the Cocky on Saturday podcast. Eight days away from football, guys. We are just at the finish line. Hang in tight. We're going to be there soon enough. Today, we got part three of our 2023 season breakdown. We're going to be covering Missouri, Texas A&M, and Jacksonville State. Let's get into it. Now, I said in last episode that three-game stretch is our most important. This is arguably one of the toughest because we have two huge games on the road, as you guys know, we're home all of November. So this is our toughest road trip going to Missouri and then going to Texas A&M, both of which are teams that were actually under 500 last year. You know, Georgia's already behind us. We're not going on the road playing a jug or not. These are going to be winnable football games. Obviously much much tougher to do in a hostile environment, just like we say when teams come to Williams Bryce and it's more of a 50-50 matchup similar to that Mississippi State game. We certainly have an edge. When you have your fans behind you, you pick up some momentum. It is so easy to feed off of that and kind of turn that into a win. We're going to start with Missouri. And this is a team that went 6-7 and seven last year and actually is coming off a loss in the bowl game to Army. I mean, plain and simple, SEC teams should not be losing to Army. I say that with a grain of salt because we have dropped four in a row to Missouri. So I'm not one to be talking here. Eli Drinkwitz has our number. He formerly coached at App State when they beat us. They moved to Missouri and hasn't lost to us since. With the SEC schedule changing next year, this is possibly the last year of our consistent Columbia versus Columbia rivalry. We need to come away with a win. There is a trophy, believe it or not, in this game. I've seen it myself. we we need to keep that trophy. <laughs> if we win it this year, we're going to be holding it for at least two full years and possibly longer depending on how the future SEC schedule kind of shakes out. So there's a lot riding on this game. We need to snap this win streak, but it's going to be a lot tougher. We're going to Columbia, Columbia, Missouri, and we're going to have to do it on the road and ultimately to try to come away with that win. And I'll throw this in there I don't want to knock them too bad, but Columbia, Missouri is by far (laughs) the worst college town I've ever visited. Went there while I was in school. Honestly, there's just not much of a scene. It's a tough place to imagine myself going to school. You know, I've visited places like Georgia, LSU. You know, I have nothing but good things to say about those places. I could see myself being a student there. Obviously, Columbia, South Carolina holds a special place in my heart and I would never change my experience at South Carolina. But if I did need to go somewhere else, there's a lot of other schools I would list before I get to Missouri. Getting back to the game, so Missouri coming off a 6-7 and seven season last year. On the offensive side of the football, that's where their biggest question marks are. So Brady Cook, the quarterback from last season, is coming back. They do bring in a new offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore, from Fresno State. He led a strong passing attack out there. I believe that's the Mountain West. And, you know, going to try to translate that to Missouri. They did lose their top receiving threat in Dominic Levitt to Georgia. But they are bringing back last year's five-star, sort of our Nick Harbor. Uh, they have an individual by the name of Luther Burden. It showed some flashes last year, and they're expecting big things out of him this year to be their main playmaking threat. And then the O-line did struggle a lot last year on run blocking. So they don't have a great running attack. All of this really comes down to the system that Moore is going to be able to implement. And can Brady Cook be able to live up to those standards of a strong passing attack? And if not, they do have a transfer from Miami, Jake Garcia. It's an ongoing quarterback battle. Everybody's expecting Brady Cook to get the first look, but it could be back and forth throughout the season. I don't know who we'll see at that quarterback position when we play them, but whoever it is, I feel pretty strong about our defense's ability to be able to shut down that offense. Defense is where they thrive. That's the strongest part of their unit. They returned eight starters this year. They ranked number four in the SEC last year. So this one's going to be a little bit more of a defensive battle. I think we're going to be able to shut down their offense. I know we need to be able to. That's where we're expecting our defensive unit to be this year. And then on the offensive side, I think we have a lot more of an elite offensive threat than most people give us credit for. I think Rattler really has taken that turn and put himself into that next level. He's going to have to prove it on the field week in, week out this year, but I think he's there. The secondary is loaded for them. They return Chris Abrams Drain, who's one of the best DBs in all of college football. He's going to be playing on Sundays next year. And so again, just a very tough defensive unit. It's going to be a defensive battle back and forth. We need to be very opportunistic with our takeovers, play with a short field, win on special teams. That's going to be the edge that we have in this game. And I have us coming out on top 24 to 21. Up next on the schedule, we go to College Station and we take on the Texas A&M Aggies. They're coming off a five and seven year, a very, very disappointing season. Obviously, we got a huge win at Williams Bryce last season. The Gamecocks were able to come out on top, thirty to twenty four, off of riding that opening kickoff, which I really believe to be the loudest moment in Williams Bryce history, at least in my history of being at Williams Bryce. There's only a handful of games I've missed over the last eight seasons. Honestly, the only game that really compares, obviously, of Tennessee this past season. But if you go back to 2014, when we beat Georgia after that two, three hour weather delay, it was loud then as well. But I I really think that moment at williams Bryce Xavier Leggett taking it to the house on the opening kickoff, one of the loudest moments I've ever been a part of. For A&M, this is a huge comeback year. A lot of people were projecting them to finish top three in the West. I just, I don't necessarily see it. Yes, we're only one year removed from them being the team to challenge Alabama to challenge Georgia. That ended up being a little bit more LSU. People are just thinking that they're going to revert right back to that. They have a lot of work in front of them. The promise for Texas A&M is that Bobby Petrino now comes in as the offensive coordinator. Yes, they have the five-star talent across the board. They did very well in the transfer portal, but this is a pretty inexperienced group, and they have to take a lot of strides to be able to take that next step and assert them back into the conversation. I'm always of the mindset that you have to prove it on the field, and maybe they will. You know, We may be looking at this game a whole lot different a couple months down the road, but as it stands right now, I think this is a very, very close game. If they're the team they were last season, there's no reason we cannot go in and come out with a win. The offensive line does return a lot of good starters for Texas A&M. They're relying on a true freshman running back, Reuben Owens, who was a five-star in this past recruiting class. So a lot of great things coming out of their camp about this young back. But again, another unknown. Connor Wegman expected to be the starting quarterback. Had a strong end of the year last year, has a huge arm, but the issue is going to be his weapons. It's a young, young receiving core. Doesn't mean there's not talent there, but again, another unproven part. Maybe Bobby Petrino can turn this thing around in year one. Again, we're just going to wait and see. On the defensive side of the football, this is one of the most peculiar units in all of college football. They were number one against the pass in all of FBS last season but they are last in the SEC against the run. So it's very tough for teams to say, like, let me air it out when my running backs are averaging seven, eight yards a carry. They're returning everybody, pretty much everybody back in the front seven. I'm sure those guys are going to make strides, but do you really expect them to go from last in the SEC versus the run to a top three unit? Probably not. So that's where we could find some success. I think DK Joyner's going to have himself a day. You know, and hopefully our offensive line is a little bit more settled in by that point, And we're able to just ground and pound and be able to open up the offense through the run in this one. The secondary for Texas A&M had a lot of holes. So they brought in some names through the portal, two of which are projected to be NFL starters next season. That's going to be Tony Grimes, who came over from UNC, and then Josh DeBerry, who came from Boston College. So again, brought in some great help through the portal. Their transfer portal class was one of the top in the nation, but guys that haven't necessarily played at the SEC level and haven't really had the time to gel with this unit yet, I'm sure they will come into their own as the season moves on. But as of right now, what, why are we expecting great things from a team that finished 5-7 and seven last year and didn't even make a bowl game? This is one of my toughest picks of the schedule. If you go by national writers putting them at top three in the SEC West, people are going to think I'm absolutely nuts here. But this South Carolina team does not get scared on the road. We're playing with a purpose. If we really keep up the pace that I'm expecting us to and we're coming off a very successful first half of the season, I think we'd go down there to College Station come away with a win. I got South Carolina winning this one, 38-31. to 31. It's going to be a little bit more of an offensive battle. But I think our defense is able to come away with enough turnovers, and Spencer Rattler is going to be able to keep the ball clean, and that's going to be the recipe for success. The last of these three games will be coming back to Columbia, in which we'll be starting our final homestand. We will be home every single weekend in November. That is going to be our time to shine, hopefully coming off a very successful first half or first two-thirds of the season before we start that final home stretch. We do get to start with a little bit of an easier opponent here, playing the other Gamecocks, the only other Gamecocks in college football, out of Jacksonville State. This will be their first season in the FBS, so they're moving up after some very successful years in FCS. They're moving on to Conference USA. That's a conference that you see Liberty in, typically at the top there. And while they had some success in FCS, it's a hard transition when you move up to this next level. And that's not even counting SEC level. This is just overall FBS college football. Their over-under is only set at three and a half wins this year. It's going to be a big transition year for them. But they, they do have some weapons. So again, need to be careful. Can't let this one become a trap game. But let's get our business done. Let's get a big win here and be able to have that catapult us into the final three games. On the offensive side of the football for Jacksonville State, they bring back Zion Webb, who enters his seventh season. Yes, you heard that correct. With the COVID year and other red shirts out there, guys can now play seven years of college football, believe it or not. So he is a dual threat quarterback. His stat sheet isn't all that impressive. Certainly can make some plays, but there's a reason he's in his seventh year of college football. He's not necessarily at the level of playing in the NFL. So Nothing to be too concerned about there, but you know an experienced starter who's probably pretty good at protecting the football and is going to be able to play within that, that offense. The running back was pretty successful last season, Amwar Lewis, averaged over seven yards of carry. The best player on their offense is the tight end, Sean Brown, so it's going to be big on DQ Smith, even Worry, be able to defend the tight end there, a big target. A guy that probably could give us some problems if we're not too careful. So just need to be watching out for that. They bring back four or five offensive line starters. As you guys know, though, offensive line at that level, a lot smaller of a unit. I expect Tonka to have himself a day. On the defensive side of the football for the other Gamecocks, they are led by J-Rock Swain. Yes, you heard that name right. That's the way goes by, J-Rock. Uh, he did have five sacks and five quarterback hurries last season seems to be a force up front. I think you know, he's probably a guy that plays above the level and conference that Jacksonville State plays in. So, we need to be cautious of him, be able to maybe set up some double teams and just be able to shut down that defensive line unit. Their defense ranked top 5 in FCS last season. But ultimately, guys, it, this is a team that's not expected to have a great year. They have big transition in front of them. You know, for their program, I hope that they're able to transition well and find some success over the years. But this is not that year. This should not become a game that we are worried about. I have South Carolina winning big. We're gonna be at Williams Price. I have South Carolina coming out on top 45 to 13. That wraps up our part three breakdown of the 2023 football season. This is a stretch, if you just heard me correctly. I think we're going 3-0. At which point? This football team is going to be 7-2. and two. I know that might be ahead of schedule. People might be looking at that and saying, well, there's got to be another loss coming in there somewhere. I know I'm a bit of a homer, but there's reasoning behind me picking our squad to win in each one of these games. If you listen to this breakdown, I'm not just throwing numbers out. All of these teams have something to prove. Obviously, we have something to prove too. But if we continue our play like we saw at the end of last year and everything we've been hearing throughout camp, throughout the spring, there's no reason to think why we couldn't be 7-2. and two. I actually think we could probably be a little bit better than that. But I'm being realistic. I think on the road against Georgia and Tennessee, it's going to be very tough. I think we pick up two losses there. But then on this second road stretch, we're going to be able to pick up back-to-back wins. As always, if you guys think I'm wrong or want to challenge some of my predictions, I'm going to be posting all of these on social media as well. So find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Cocky on Saturday. Let's have a conversation. We will be back next week to close out this series of looking ahead to the season. We'll project the final three football games, and then we're going to turn our attention towards the season. By that point, we should have a lot more news coming out of camp as far as who to expect on the field to start the football games. And it will officially be. UNC week with our full attention on that opponent. I'll see y'all next week. Only eight days till Carolina football. And until then, go Cox.